Hey, everybody. I want to take a brief moment to just wish everyone a happy new year. Hope you're all having a good holiday season. Not only is this a new year, it's also now a year after I launched the podcast. So I want to kind of reflect a bit on that. And we're also, of course, coming up on the one-year anniversary of January 6th. So I think it's a good idea to step back and take a longer view of what is happening in the country and what we might be looking forward to in the year to come. So when I started this podcast, I really had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what to expect. I had no expectations. I simply thought that I had a unique viewpoint that I wasn't hearing anywhere else in the media, whether mainstream media or even independent media. I would never put this much time into a project if I thought I was just going to be parroting other people or just repeating things that I heard other places. I'm not interested in this to make money or become famous. I make more than enough money, so I don't need that. I don't really need the attention. But I found that I had ideas that I was not hearing anywhere else, and I think they're important ideas, and I want people to think about them. During the past first year, I've spent really a lot of time on learning the sort of technical and logistical aspects of running something like this. It takes a long time to learn these things and get everything set up correctly and get familiar with the equipment and software, websites, everything else. And while I've learned a lot of these things, I still have some trouble every now and then. Um, actually, just before I started recording now, I thought I was having some trouble with the mic. Turns out I just didn't have it turned on. So, yeah, that still happens every now and then. So my goal for this year is to really try to move on from that startup phase, just learning about how everything works and be able to spend more time on content and especially interviews. I recently compiled a list of anyone and everyone that I thought might be a good guest to interview on the show. I came up with close to 60 people, six zero, so a lot of people. Now, some of those people I won't be contacting until later in the future, and I'm sure a significant number of them will not be interested, or they'll decline, or they'll just never get back to me. But I'm going to be making an effort to reach out to a lot of people over the next few weeks. And if even a fraction of them accept, and some of them have already accepted, but even if a fraction of them accept, then I have a number of people lined up as guests. Some of these people are activists, some are political candidates, some are other media personalities, some are academics and authors, so there's a real mix of different people. So that's what's up with the podcast at the moment. Now, as far as the bigger picture about where we are politically, I want to get into this by playing for you the very first video I recorded. I put this on my personal YouTube channel, not the podcast YouTube channel. In fact, at the time, I didn't have the podcast YouTube channel. I've since taken it down from public viewing, just for a number of reasons. 
this was a couple months before the podcast launch. I hadn't registered the Simplecast account. I hadn't started the YouTube channel. Hadn't even opened the Gmail account. This was on the morning of November 5th. So this was less than 48 hours after the polls had closed in the presidential election. And this was really the first time I put myself and my voice out into the series of tubes. And it's very raw, pretty emotional reaction to what had just happened. So I'm going to play it now. It's about 15 minutes long. And I've lightly edited it for length and flow, but very minor editing. It's very close to the original video. So it's Thursday morning, uh, polling station closed about 36 hours ago. I don't normally make videos like this. I think actually this is the first time I've made a video. Uh, I just wanted to share some thoughts on the election. So there's three main things I think I took away from this. So number one, there's a saying that when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. <clears throat> and uh, what did we learn from this election? We learned that uh, a majority of the country outside of California uh, seems to be perfectly okay casting their ballot for uh, an authoritarian, uh, an obvious fascist, uh, someone who doesn't believe in democracy, doesn't believe in democratic institutions, democratic norms. And I'm sorry, 2016, maybe you could say, uh, you didn't know, you didn't know any better. Maybe, you know, you didn't know who this person was, but uh, it's been four years and especially the last couple of years, there's no excuse for, for not knowing, you know, who this person is and what they represent. So. So that's who the country is. And I know, so it's going to look like between four and five million Californians voted for him too. It's going to be between 10 and 12 California, 10 and 12 million Californians voted against him. But, um, for those four to five million Californians, I understand if you have policy disagreements, that's fine, but you need to know that that, uh, that kind of anti-democratic authoritarian ideology is not welcome here. Um, if you want to disagree over tax policy or gun policy or anything else like that, that's fine. But uh, know that the ideology that you uh, endorsed with uh, your vote is not, is not welcome here. Okay. So that's number one thing that I took away from this election is um, this is not the country I thought it was. Or maybe it, maybe it was a country. I mean, I shouldn't be surprised. I guess it is the country that I, sh I should have known it was. So that's, that's the first thing I took away from this. The second, um, it looks like we're going to avoid a constitutional crisis. Looks like Joe Biden is going to, uh, fortunately for the sake of uh, the U.S. and the world, 
win the election and be voted in by the Electoral College. <coughs> so we averted that. Uh, it remains to be seen about the political crisis, though. Nobody knows how these uh, chuds are going to react when it becomes clear that uh, Trump has lost the election. So who knows what's going to happen? Um, we narrowly averted uh, this constitutional crisis, but we need to be aware we came this close. This came really close. Um, and this shows really just how how weak and fragile the institutions are that um, that we came this close to really having this kind of this kind of crisis. And, uh, you know, what I would say is, you might say, well, great, we averted it this time. But uh, you don't think this is going to happen again? I mean, you, you don't think these, uh, these competing parties and competing ideologies aren't going aren't to confront each other again in the electoral arena? Um, we've already got half the population that's, you know, whipped up into a frenzy with uh, conspiracies and this is this this could could reach a crisis again two years from now four years from now eight years from now uh so do you want to really look forward to having to hold your breath again you know you want to have look forward to laying in bed stressed out anxious you know wondering uh what's going to happen outside you know you that's a risk you think you want to take okay well, because that's, I think it's a still a real possibility in the future. Uh, if it could happen this year, it can happen in the future. Okay. So that's number two. This election showed the, uh, the weakness of the institutions. It looks like the only thing really saving us is it starts to look like there are some Republicans who are coming to their senses and are going to shut this down. But really, I think the only reason they're doing it is because they actually had a really uh, positive election result, aside from the presidency. They had, they had really well in the Congress and uh, the Senate. So, you know, they don't want to question the legitimacy because, again, apart from the, the president, they got they got what they wanted. They, they did well at the national level. They did well at the state level. What if there's a national election where the presidency uh, is somewhat in doubt and they don't do well? What, what do they have to lose? So, so this, this can happen again. This is not, this is not necessarily a one-off. And, uh, you know, number three, um, Number three is just the uh, just the political results. What's going to happen? Biden is president. Republicans control the Senate. Nothing is going to get done. It's going to be absolute gridlock for at least two years. Um, we're stuck with the court for at least two years, right? Probably four. I mean, what's going to have to happen? 
Democrats have to take the Senate in two years. I mean, I don't trust them to do that. And then they have to get through expanding the court. We can't count on that. So we've got we've got years, four years, a decade of this 6-3 court. They're just going to start uh, bringing cases up. They're going to they're going to wage war against all sorts of things. Voting rights, consumer rights, immigration, civil rights, um, employee protections. They want to undo the entire 20th century. They want to take us back to the Gilded Age, 1890s. And, uh, you know, obviously, I don't want that. So, so that's three things, three things I take from this. One, that um, the country showed us who they are. Showed that a majority of the country are authoritarians who don't believe in democracy and are willing to cast their vote for a fascist. Number two, that the institutions of the U.S. are incredibly weak and just barely held up. And I mean just barely held together enough to prevent total collapse. Okay? And number three, there's going to be gridlock for years, given the outcome, what the outcome's going to be. Nothing's going to get done. The, con the conflict's going to remain. And we're going to have a conflict between California and the federal government. And they're going to wage war on everything that we've, we've gained over the 20th century. So that's the outcome. Okay. Um, so I was kind of on the fence, admittedly, until, uh, yeah, I think the past couple of days, and it's just, it's become clear now. We're just, we got uh, we can't bang our heads against the wall anymore. I honestly think we are, our future is better off separated. This is not, this is not working out. Uh, I posted, why do we continue to stay in a country that threatens our safety? and minimizes our representation and disrespects our values. And I had a few relatives say, what, you know, what on earth are you talking about? What do you mean? So, okay, let me explain it. So, threatens our safety. Um, so this ties in with uh, number two earlier. Uh, the country is going down. It's like the Titanic. Um, this isn't, this is an empire that's declining. And when you have uh, an empire as large as this, when it goes down, it just lashes out. It's going to, uh, it's going to lash out and just, you know, like a crazed madman, it's just going to start throwing its hands around and fists around and everything around. And we're, we're right there. So that's what I mean. Uh, it threatens our safety through the court. What the court's going to do. It 
threatens our safety because of the political instability in the United States. That's going to spill over into California. Um, just the, the entire repressive apparatus of the security state, the military, the police state. So that's what I was talking about. <clears throat> um, minimizing representation. What are you talking about, Darren? What are you talking about? Well, come on. Um, well, we only get two senators. I've gone over this before. We only get two senators through the Electoral College. Um, we're not represented at the federal level uh, as far as budgeting and uh, legislation. Um, Mitch McConnell's got reelected. He's going to be the Senate Majority Leader. Um, so basically, anything that that we want that we want to push through is blocked by this 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 guy three thousand miles away elected from a small state, holding the majority, uh, representing a minority of the country. So that's what I was talking about. And as far as disrespecting our values, you know, if you don't get that, I mean, look at, look at what the country is. It's, uh, it's a very authoritarian, toxic, uh, country glorifies violence, glorifies war. It, it's a, it's a very toxic country. And, uh, yeah, I don't think that's who we are. So I was, I was not expecting the landslide that a lot of people thought that Biden was going to get, but I didn't expect it would be quite like this. Um, I did not expect that there would be, uh, this kind of display, um, both, uh, uh, as far as the, the vote and the behavior that's gone on. So, so yeah, I think, uh, we're, we're better off, um, running things on our own. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have our disagreements. You know, I understand. There's conservatives in California. That's fine. Again, as I said, you want to disagree over policies, legislation, whatever. But uh, we got to separate ourselves from this, uh, this anti-democratic kind of hateful uh, ideology that's kind of infected everything. And I think if we, if we do separate from that, we can heal and, and move on and we can, uh, we can, we can run things over here in a civil manner. But if we don't, if we don't get away from this, it's going to, uh, it's, it's going to bleed over into our politics and, and that's not good. So. So that's just my thoughts on past couple days and what's happened. So those were my thoughts immediately after the last election. And 
I hadn't listened to this in quite a while, so it was kind of interesting for me listening to it again just now and kind of comparing what my thoughts were at the time compared to what I think now. Uh, I did make a number of, I wouldn't say predictions, but maybe educated guesses or feelings about how things might go in the future. And I think uh, a lot of the things that I mentioned, unfortunately, have come true. And I still agree with most everything that I said in that video. One thing I did get wrong, I was not expecting the result of the Senate elections in Georgia. That that did take me by surprise. So I think this is where we are. A lot of people thought that once the Democrats had a control of the, the House and the Senate and the presidency, that, of course, things are going to turn around. The fever's going to break. Everything's going to go back to normal. And I did not believe that for a second. And we've definitely seen that. So if we look back over the last year, far from moving away from what we saw in 2020, we're actually going in the other direction. The conflicts have intensified. The violence has intensified. The authoritarianism has intensified. The fascist movement is growing. It doesn't matter who's in office. This is a political movement. It, it doesn't depend on who's in office for it to grow. And this next year is going to be really, really pivotal. We have um, these primaries on the Republican side where I uh, have a number of these um, kind of election truthers who uh, think the election was stolen, who are running for governor and secretary of state and election officials down to the local level. They are putting the machinery in place to subvert the next election. And that's going to play out in the primaries. Then we have the midterms, uh, where I think it is extremely likely the Democrats will lose the House and the Senate. And once that happens, we are looking at very dark times, I think. I think we could see some very extreme figures start to be put into positions of high leadership in the Republican Party if they take power in the Congress. People that a few years ago you would think would never be in Congress, but certainly not be in positions of authority. People who really uh, are not in touch with reality. When the Republicans take control of the House, they're going to impeach the president. Um, it doesn't matter what the grounds are. That, that's immaterial. Uh, they, they'll impeach him just for not being a Republican or you know, not being a Trumpist. And this polarization and gridlock is just going to intensify and continue all the way through to the 2024 election, which is going to be an absolute train wreck. So I don't know the exact way things are going to turn out. I mean, nobody does. If anybody says they know exactly what's going to happen, if they have an exact prediction of something that's going to happen in politics or uh, you know, social movements, 
then th they're lying to you or they or they think too highly of themselves. Nobody knows exactly how things are going to turn out, but you can see general trends. And the general trends are not pointing in a good direction. So that's why I have this podcast to talk about what's happening, to talk about what to do about it, to get a lot of different viewpoints, to talk to a lot of different people, have discussions with a lot of different people about it, and to bring us around to what does it mean for us in California, and what are we going to do about it here? What's the best way forward as Californians? So those are my thoughts on the year that was, 2021, the year coming up, 2022. And uh, I appreciate everyone who's listened to the podcast. I don't have a huge audience, but there are people who listen. And I'm going to really try and make an effort to do things to grow the audience, um, to really get more people to be listening. But I appreciate everyone who does listen. If you're subscribed to the podcast or the YouTube channel, um, I appreciate you taking time to think that I have something important to say. So I hope you have uh, a good rest of your holiday break, if you're still on holiday break. And uh, I will be talking to you soon. <laughs>